Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it feels like it's been for the first time in forever. Ladies and gents, it feels like it's been forever. Certainly ain't the I'll first time. I'll be taking a big dude. <laughs> the boys are back, arguably better than ever, arguably worse than ever, who knows? But we're ready to rock and roll here. We're talking baseball, folks. We are on the cusp of the 2022 season. Sweet Jesus, our Lord in heaven, has blessed us with yet another full year of baseball. You know what we do. No one does it better. We're talking Mets. We're talking Yankees. And we're bringing back a couple good old-fashioned goodies. We're bringing back realistic or real big duty stick. And we're also bringing back a good old-fashioned fan favorite, preseason predict picks, where we are going to do a little around-the-horn style predictions for the 2022 season on the Cy Young winners, the MVPs, and the big old-fashioned dookie cakes steaming in the oven, baking at 450 degrees. Which player is going to shank and fart the bed this year? Only time will tell, but our predictions... Look into our crystal ball, and we will tell you everything we know, and mostly everything that we don't know, because we don't know fucking shit on this podcast. But folks, we're moving on, onward and upward. You guys have any words before we jump into it? Just happy to be back. Can't believe we are two days away from opening day. Let's go. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, that was a, uh, a long and arduous off season we just had to endure with that lockout great and, word uh, great it word. feels good that we are finally on the the precipice of a new season we're Matthew a word podcast breaking now. out the sap words you gotta Big love time. that folks that's why we're here we are intelligent educated young men giving you the hottest talk in all of baseball so without further ado you gotta hit the fans with a little bit of tommy Rowe. sweet tea come on boy how we doing Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the fan favorite segment. Not realistic, real big duty stick. It's the Metropolitans from Queens. We're talking about baseball, folks. Everyone loves them. Everyone's jealous of them. Uh, how, how should we start? Let's talk about the reliever swap that occurred a few days ago between the Crosstown Rivals from Queens and the Bronx, the Mets and Yankees, the 16th trade of its kind between the two clubhouses just occurred a few days ago the Mets gave right-handed reliever Miguel Castro over to the Yankees for Jolie Rodriguez aka Jolene 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 Rodriguez ladies and gents he's a big old-fashioned stanky poo-poo I am not a fan of this trade Miguel Castro <laughs> Even though the Mets were looking for a lefty, which they got in Jolene, Jolene Rodriguez, they gave up Miguel Castro, who just happened to be the leader in the Mets' bullpen in appearances and innings pitched last year, who uh, threw to a tune of a 3-4-5 ERA, which is pretty solid. We wanted a lefty, so we got one. But Castro is kind of just as good against lefties as Jolene is. 
So we didn't really get a huge improvement there other than the physical left arm of Jolene Rodriguez. If the Mets really wanted a lefty reliever, they could have you know, gone for someone earlier like Andrew the Chafemeister, who was a stud on the Cubbies last year, got dealt to the Tigers, or who, Bradley Hand, the handyman? The handyman can. Apparently he can't because he is not in the orange and blue in Queens. But either way, we will see how this trade pans out. I was a big fan of Miguel Castro last year. Dude had so much jewelry, threw fucking fuego, and now we're stuck with Jolene. Matt, how do you feel about that trade, huh? Well, I do agree with you. The uh, the sauce on Miguel Castro is unparalleled. Oh, yeah. Um, and obviously, power arm, throws a million miles an hour, has no idea where the ball is going when he lets go of it. Very exciting. It could, it could be a bit erratic, but uh, when he's on, he's on. Well, when, he's reason... on when he's on, he's great. This trade really doesn't make any sense. Um, no. Stupid. The only thing I could possibly think of is that the Mets also need to prepare for life without some of the people in their bullpen moving forward, so they needed some controllable arms, and Rodriguez mm-hmm. is that, as he has three years of arbitration after this, because uh, Trevor May is a free agent, Edwin Diaz is a free agent after this year, um, yes. so you got to prepare for life without some of these other arms that have proven to be mainstays in the pen. So that's the only rationale that I can completely spin, but that's about it. Let's find out. I don't think he's going to be the guy like Castro leading the bullpen in appearances, but who am I to judge? I'm a fucking idiot. So what else happened? We almost traded Dom Smith for Chris Paddock and Eric Hosmer. That would have stunk the big old-fashioned doo-doo. Hosmer was the one who killed our chances in 2015 on the errant Duda throw home which made me walk outside, rip up my jersey, and burn it in the fire pit in my backyard up in Westchester. Great moment. Just phenomenal moment. We don't have to relive it. We all, we we all saw it. it. We don't have <laughs> we Loved it. We've all relived it many times of me discussing it on this podcast. And also, Chris Paddock is a big old-fashioned stanky poo-poo cake. I remember in 2019 when him and Big Dick Pete were both going for Rookie of the Year, and Paddock was chirping at Big Dick Pete saying that he was going to take the trophy home. Who got the last laugh? It was our boy, Peter. So we didn't give up Dom Smith in that, which I'm a huge fan of. He's a very well-liked dude around the clubhouse. He is solid when he does get the playing time. It's kind of unfortunate for him that the trade didn't happen because he would have been a perfect fit, I think, in San Diego. It's also, he grew up, I think, two hours from uh, from the Wales Vag in San Diego, and he would have been going home. He also would have been getting consistent playing time. But, again, we got to look at this from a Mets perspective. It gives us a little bit more depth. Inevitably, Nimmo is going to go down. We'll probably have some additional injuries. um, He already did go down. In the outfield. Well, he did go down. He's getting some cortisone injections right now. But (laughs) once we get a few more injuries throughout the year, we're going to be very happy that we retained Dominic Smith, the stud, who is always happy to be here. So what's our roster looking like now? Now that that trade didn't happen and we got Jolene Rodriguez. Well, of course, we got the injury bug that always plagues the Metropolitans. It's coming out a bit early this year, folks, which you really hate to see. DeGrom has already been shut down until June the earliest with a shoulder injury. A stress reaction in his right scapula. Matt, do you want to give us any uh, specifics about the stress reaction in the right scapula with Jacob DeGrom? Um, not good. That's 
It really is that's not all, good. That's folks. all and I can there, really say. And about there it. you have it. And folks. you absolutely not have to see good. the stress reaction in the right scapula. It is, quote, not good. He just really can't stay healthy, DeGrom. <laughs> not frat. Matthew from Hoboken can stay very healthy. The boy eats very well, works out all the time. He has the traps and biceps of a Grecian god. Other than Matt from Hoboken being absolutely yoked and shredded, and DeGrom being very skinny as a string bean and made of glass. The rest of our rotation, Scherzer is dealing with a little bit of hamstring tightness. It doesn't seem like that is a significant thing. He said, I believe today, that he plans on starting the second game of the season on Friday of this week. Who else? Taiwan Walker absolutely crapped the bed today in a 14 to nothing loss to the Nats in the last spring training game. Uh, he exited after a, maybe an inning plus with some knee soreness, and I believe he just had surgery on his knee in January. So that's not great. In the words of Matt from Hoboken, quote, not good. <laughs> Time will tell with all of this stuff. So who's going to start game one for the boys? It's looking like it might be a little birdie on the Metropolitans named Tylor McGill. Not Tyler, Tylor. There's an O in that first name, folks. You might not have realized. But Tyler McGill, who got called up last summer to the bigs and was an absolute stud. First seven games, he threw to a two ERA, crashed back down to earth a little bit, finished the job to around a uh, four-plus ERA on the year. But if we see flashes of him like he was pitching last summer, that could be very promising for the young stud in the Mets rotation. We also got Chris Bassett in the rotation, which is huge. Got him from the A's in the offseason. Last two years, the dude finished in the top 10 in Cy Young voting. So you know who you're getting with Chris Bassett, a 32-year-old stud from Oakland. But outside of all these injuries, there are a couple good things to look forward to this year. One of them is that Francisco Lindor has been absolutely en fuego for the boys this spring, hitting tater tots left and right, spraying them all over the field. This spring, it has been a lovely thing to see. I am drawing a few parallels right now between Francisco Lindor and a man by the name of Carlos Beltran. When Carlos Beltran first came to the Metropolitans in 2005, he was not excellent his first year. He started out a little bit slow. He only hit about 16 ding-dongs that year and had around like a 260 batting average. We all know what happened after that. The dude went on an absolute rampage for pretty much the rest of his tenure with the Metropolitans. The very next year had 41 tater tots and finished top five in the MVP voting. So, folks, Francisco Lindor looking like he might come back to his normal self this year, start mashing tater tots for the boys, being an all-around five-star player like we expected him to be when we signed him to that mega deal. That's probably what I am looking forward to the most this year, is seeing the Lindy Hop, Frankie Boy going to town in Queens. Matt, what are you looking forward to this year from the standpoint of the Metropolitans? Probably seeing Starling Marte have an everyday role with the New York Mets. He's a guy that the Mets haven't had in a very long time, that type of player who will bring an aggressiveness on the base paths that you probably haven't seen on this team since Jose Reyes. And I'm not saying that he's the prolific base stealer and the same like speed that Jose Reyes was, but he has that similar attitude that Reyes brought to the team. Um, and that hasn't happened really for them in probably about a decade or so. So yep. I'm, I'm, really in intrigued quite a while. To, I'm really intrigued to see what 
um, he'll do for this team at the top of the lineup, hopefully batting second uh, and helping set the table for, you know, guys like the Lindy Hop and Big Dick Pete. Um, I think that'll be great to see. I'm also interested to see him playing right field for really yes. what is the first time in his career. I don't know if he's going to be too happy about that, but I think it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, I am also very looking forward to Starling, the darling Marte, at the top of the Mets lineup. I mean, this is a guy who puts the ball in play. He batted 310 last season. He had 89 runs, 55 ribeye stakes, and 526 plate appearances. So the dude plays. He's consistently hitting the ball. Last year, he would have been, I think, the best on the Mets in terms of average, ahead of Nimmo, who, who batted 290 after Nimmo is big dick Pete batting 262. So, you know, a contact hitter is definitely the kind of guy that we need and we have been lacking in the last few years. So seeing him at the top of the lineup, the wheels are going to be turning on the boy. He's an aggressive base runner. That's going to be a beautiful thing. Now I think a lot of the season, again, is going to end up falling on the rotation. If the boys can get healthy, if DeGrom can get back into the rotation by you know mid-year and stay healthy... Scherzer can be consistent throughout the year. The stars will align. The planets will align. We will connect those dots en route to a postseason appearance. And, folks, once you could just get in there, anything could happen. It's anybody's ball game, and that's the beauty of baseball, Susan. Any other uh, last words before we put this segment to bed? Uh, no, the Mets stink. Um, they also signed Adam Adovino. Uh, I, you know, you'll probably like him at first and then later down the, the road, he's going to give up some, some big hits and you're going to hate it, but you know what? I'll be sitting here loving it. The Mets stink. Uh, they made some good moves this off season though. I think, uh, I think the fan base can, can be excited about, um, I think the pitching staff can, you know, maybe hang around while, while DeGrom is out, but, uh, yeah, the Mets should be, uh, should be pretty good. Um, and maybe they can hang with the Braves this year. Uh, maybe make a run at the division, if not a uh, a wild card spot. I think it's uh, I think it's very feasible. Buck Showalter definitely going to make an impact on the team. Folks, only time will tell, as we often do say. And with that, I believe it's time to give you a word from our sponsors. I'm a big kid. Look what I can do. I can pull my big pants too. Mommy, wow. I'm a big kid now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's everyone's favorite brand of diapers. That's right. It's Huggies Pull-Ups or Pull-Ups by Huggies. Huggies Pull-Ups is really an unparalleled diaper. It's an unparalleled diaper make and model for kids who, they're not babies, so they're not wearing diapers. But hey, just like us, maybe they still crap their pantaloons every now and then. So they want to feel in control. They're pulling up the diapers. Their mommy isn't putting them on, or daddy. You know, I'm going to be a stay-at-home dad at some point in my life, so that's fine. The parents aren't putting on the diapers. They're called pull-ups because the kids have the power here. They are pulling them up. They are pissing and crapping all up in the diaper. No one's cleaning it up for them. Actually... If you wear pull-ups, do you still get your ass wiped, or are you past that stage in your life? I think I think you're in the potty training phase, so I think you are still getting the ass wiped. I think it's like it's like you got the diaper, you got the pull-up, and then there's like kind of the I'm gonna take a big duke on the toilet bowl phase. 
So I feel like with the pull-ups, you put them down, you pull them up, you take a giant dookie. I might be completely off about this, by the way. You, you put them down, you pull them up, you take a giant dookie. You still got to get changed. Wait, is it? Still got to get changed. Are they, are they a substitute for just using the toilet? Like you literally just put them on, take a huge shit, and immediately take them off? <laughs> isn't that what it is? Isn't that what it is? I don't think, no, I don't think you're immediately. Way. I don't think you're immediately them off like i don't think you're you I don't think you're putting them up to take a duke well you are you wear your pants you wear your pants over them right I, I think it's like an intermediate step like it's a diaper and then like a pull-up would be for like a bit of an older so it's it's the next kid. step like a like a 13 year old so you go from diapers <laughs> and then when you're around i don't know bar mitzvah 13 you put on pull-ups and then yes. probably and once that, you get to high you can, school, you put on underwear. You can take a duke at the Bama. You can you – <laughs> when you're finally ready to take a big old-fashioned duke on the toilet bowl or in the toilet bowl, depends on your accuracy, that is when you forego the pull-ups and you move on to regular underwear. I had You pick pay, it up. You pull it a, down. I had one take of a big this. Duke. When I was uh, in elementary school, I had a, a pair of – Power Rangers underwear, like tidy whities That's what I used to, used to wear. When I was a kid, I was shocked when I would see other, like, ch- kids wearing boxers. I, I thought the same thing about kids who wear wife beaters underneath their shirts. That's like a – and Matt from Hoboken, you're Italian, so maybe you maybe you know, you know the deal with wearing wife beaters when you're a kid. But like, you don't sweat that much when you're a kid – and it just, I don't know, it's like a weird, it's a weird concept to me. You're like forcing a kid to be this fucking, you know, Italian mobster sort of character. Like Chris Moltisanti taking off his shirt and he, you know, he's wearing the undershirt and everything. Like, I don't know. I, I never understood it. Do you have any I want you to take a guess. Do you, do you think that I wore wife beaters as a child? I don't know, but I just figured. Hondo I, I think I mean, I, I, I did. I'll, I'll say it. There I you did. go. I think it's an Italian thing. I never saw a kid wearing a wife beater who didn't also wear like a, a gold chain cross on his neck. <laughs> that those those two things go hand in hand. When you're a kid Dude. and you wear a wife beater, <laughs> I would put my whole savings down on you also wear a gold chain with a cross. I did. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe we're stereotyping here in a Subway Series podcast, but what was I talking about before that? Oh, Huggies. I had this pair of Power Ranger underwear tidy whities and it had the like the cool design of the Power Rangers in a fighting stance on the back of the underwear. And I remember saying to my mom, I'm like, Ma, why, why do they put it on the back? Like, I can't even see it if it's on my ass. So I used to wear the underwear the wrong way so I could see the Power Rangers design on the front because you can't see what's in the back. I did that with some shirts, too. I had a shirt with some cars on it, and I, I turned my shirt around and wore it backwards so I could see the cool design myself. I understand now, but at the time, it felt right. I don't know. Pull-ups. If you're trying to take a duke in your pantaloons, go get them. Ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you that we now have to spend the next 15 minutes talking about the Stankies from the Bronx. Big Dog is going to delve into what his 
outlook is for the Yankees roster right now. Seems like they got a little bit of work to do in the rotation uh, side of things, as of course is tradition. But big doggy duty stain, I will let you jump into it. Well, thank you, Uncle Tran. Uh, you know, the Yankees had an interesting offseason, not the one that the fan base, uh, the majority of the fan base would have liked, but albeit an, an interesting offseason nonetheless. Um, so let's review some of the moves because they did pretty much nothing except for uh, re-sign Jolie Rodriguez, who they then Jolene, traded uh, to the Mets uh, before the lockout. So since then, the big move, the big move of the offseason for the Yankees they trade Giovanni Urshela, the most happy fella, uh, and Gary Sanchez. is the happiest fella on the face of the planet. I have heard that. They do say it. Uh, and Gary Sanchez. Or Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Kiner, Falefa, a.k.a. the Falafel Man. The Falafel white Man, sauce, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone's getting falafels, extra white sauce, plenty of hot sauce. Come on. We're putting in the pita bread. Um, and then we got Ben Rortvet, a uh, defensive-minded catcher. Who the fuck is that? Uh, from the Minnesota Twins. Ben Yo, he is jacked. Oh. Have you guys seen him? He's yeah. absolutely jacked. It's massive. massive. Oh, he, he's he, massive. He fill, he, so he fills Luke Voigt's shoes for the Yankees. Yeah, pretty much, actually. Okay. Uh, so, interesting trade. Um, you know, when I was when I first saw it, I think my initial reaction was, I cannot believe that they actually traded Gary Sanchez. I've been calling for that for years and years. They finally moved on and they said, you know what? We do not care about the offensive potential that we haven't seen since like 2018. We are going to focus solely potential. We're going to focus solely on the defensive side of the ball and any offense we get from that position. Will be added upside. Great, great thing that that they're doing. The Yankees needed to get better on defense, and even though the catcher is kind of the afterthought in this deal, it's it's a nice move. How then is you the get home run Falefa. stroker on on D? Is he is he good behind the plate? He is. He's a good framer, uh, okay. decent arm behind the plate. He actually made two really nice plays today in spring training, throwing some guys out on the base paths. You love to see that. Um, and he's also leading the league in home runs in spring training, the Higgy boy. I think he's gonna he's gonna be a stud now that he's oh, you know, a I think stud. He, you know, I love that guy, and I think he's gonna be a stud, the home run stroker. Calling it the home run stroker. I call it like I uh, see it with my glasses on. Come on, little Wayne Bed cool. The thing with Higgy is that he could definitely hit the long ball. You know, he doesn't have to be great offensively, just play some defense. The Yankees do have three really good catchers defensively. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Offensive prowess, not so much. Then the other part of the trade, right? We get Josh Donaldson to replace Gio Urshela. Love Gio Urshela. You know, nothing but great things to say about him. That that game that he had against Cleveland in the 2020 ALDS. What's going on here? What am I missing here? Oh, oh the jacked Ben Rodfed picture. That is the <laughs> strongest man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Jeremy's face while he Holy was looking at that shit, picture. Huge. I was like, "What's I was like, what's he going is, on here?" He has like five million muscles in his forearms alone. Yeah, he's a monster. Holy shit! Okay, he's a monster. sorry. Go on, go on. Now you're good. I'm taking it back. Um, it's outrageous. So, so we get Josh Donaldson uh, to replace Gio Urshela. Donaldson uh, probably a little bit better of a defender still at this point in his career. Some of the advanced analytics did not love Urshela at 
defense. I always thought he looked pretty freaking good out there. Uh, with a step back last year, he wasn't as good. He was definitely hurt a little bit. Uh, but Donaldson brings a couple of things. One, he still hits the shit out of the ball. Uh, he might be older. He might be a little injury prone, although I think last two full seasons, he's played the majority of the games. But he still does hit the ball very hard. And I think he brings an attitude that the team was lacking. Even Cashman addressed that they like what he brings to the clubhouse, kind of that asshole what, being mentality that they were. Yeah, I mean, but sometimes you need you need that to stir you the pot a little bit in, your in the clubhouse. I think you do. And I think he, he brings a little bit of fire that they – I think the word is fire. Brings a little fire to the team that they did not have before. Uh, and then we get the falafel man. I mean, I think personally the falafel man – is a really nice fit for the lineup. Um, I know he's not the Carlos Correa of the world. I'll get to that in a little bit. But I think he plays really good defense, and I think he puts the ball in play. These are like the little things that the team was not good at last year. Yeah. Strike out a lot. Mm. Don't put the ball in play. This guy fits the bill. He was also a uh, baseball reference war 3.7 guy last year. So 3.7 more last year for the guy. He's a better player than uh, than most people think. And uh, one thing that I liked, I saw a side-by-side. He was working out with Justin Turner in the offseason. If you look at their swings side-by-side, pretty much identical. Turner's a guy that, like, broke out a little, you know, after he had Later. been in the big yeah, leagues yeah. with the Mets. A smart team took a chance on him, revamped him a little bit, and he's become a, a mainstay in that lineup. Um, I'm not saying IKF gets to that level, but I think the fan base is actually going to really like him. Uh, I think he fits the lineup very nicely. He also can steal, steals 20 bases. Uh, And last thing I would say about him, I love his journey to get to the big leagues. He's just a ball player. Uh, He was not looking like he was going to get there as an infielder because he wasn't going to hit enough. So he learns how to catch a position that the the Rangers did not have a, a lot of depth at at the time. And that's how he made his way to the majors and beat some other guys out to get there uh, with the Texas Rangers. So I think the story is good there. I like this guy. Um, I think this trade makes them better. It's not the big splashy move that everyone was hoping for, but I think it makes them better. The next piece of this is Anthony Rizzo comes back two years, 32 million. Again, they don't get Freddie Freeman, but they do get Anthony Rizzo back. Um, Rizzo was good for them. Or Matt Olson. True. Uh, but we couldn't. We couldn't get. I mean, we would have had Matt Olson and Matt Olton in in New York. It would have been. They can't uh, both be in the in the tri-state. Would have been crazy. I think. I think that was the main reason that they didn't make that trade. Uh, and you you kind of understand it when you put it like that. Rizzo, though, I think is another one. He plays good defense. Lefty bat puts the ball in play. Yep. Another thing that the Yankees needed for their lineup, even if he wasn't the big splashy move. Two years, $32 million with an opt-out after one. That's not much of a commitment. Um, I think this is a good move. I think he's good for the clubhouse. Everybody loves the Riz. Everybody loves the Riz. And uh, I think he he provides some stability over there. I mean, you know, do you know, do either of you know who the starting first baseman was for the New York Yankees on opening day last year? Was it Mike Jay Ford? Bruce. Jay Bruce is correct. Wow. So, Met legend, baby. Yeah, ex-Met great. So... You're going in to Thursday with Anthony Rizzo and not Jay Bruce as your starting first baseman. Pretty good upgrade there uh, when you look back a year ago. Um, some other things that they did, I'll just run through them quickly. We talked about the the Jolie for Miguel Castro trade. That happened recently. I think Miguel Castro is another 
high potential arm in the Yankees bullpen. The Yankees bullpen's really looking nice right now. Um, and Miguel Castro, a lot of comps being drawn to a guy that the Yankees picked up at the deadline last year, Clay Holmes, another guy who has really good stuff, a nice sinker, but could not get the ball over the plate in Pittsburgh. Oh, I had a little same kind of deal with Miguel Castro. Ah, it's a beautiful nickname. Beautiful nickname. Um, oh, the dreidel man. Uh, so we're hoping that Miguel (laughs) Castro, we're hoping that Miguel Castro can channel his inner dreidel man. Um, and if he can, he's another high leverage potential reliever for the Yanks. Um, Jolie just did not really have a spot on the team. They got Licky, uh, they got Chapman. They have a few lefties in the pen already. They just did Chapman's not need a, a fashion specialist. Hey, is Zach Burton still on the team? He's hurt. He's like uh, maybe getting still. back by the end of the year, maybe not. Then also the Yankees pick up another defensive-minded catcher in Jose Trevino, trading Albert Abreu, who I really like. I actually think he could mm. be very good for the Rangers. Uh, and Robert Allstrom, who I've never heard of, but the funny story about that guy, he found out about the trade through Instagram, um, which is actually insane. Imagine imagine hearing that you've been traded to another organization via Instagram. Um, but Jose Trevino, another guy, a really good framer, works well with the pitchers, supposed to be just a great clubhouse guy, just a, a well-liked dude, um, provides a little depth for them while that recovers from injury. And I think that's a big theme, right? The Yankees shifted their mentality on the catching position and said, let's go all in on defense. Let's go all in on guys who frame well and will work well with the pitchers. Um, I think this is a big thing, a big shift for them. It's going a little under the radar with them. But here's, here's the way that I would look at it, putting it in the simplest terms. With a guy like Gary Sanchez behind the plate, you got a a runner on third. Do do the pitchers feel that confident throwing their breaker in the dirt with the runner on third with Gary Sanchez behind the plate? I'm going to say probably not. Mm. With these three defensive-minded catchers behind the plate, I think you feel a little bit more confident. It's the little things that that I think this team took very seriously uh, in the offseason. So, yeah, I mean, I think think that's the, the overall theme, right? They... They added guys that are going to take the extra base, are going to be a little bit more athletic, are going to be more contact oriented. Even Josh Donaldson is under the the league average uh, in swing and miss, not by a lot, but he's under it. Um, and they added a guy in Falepa who can steal some bases. I think these are the things that made them an unenjoyable team to watch last year, um, and hopefully it will help them improve. Uh, having said that, I think there is a lot of ifs on this team. Uh, they didn't. They didn't add starting pitchers, um, which I think was a mistake. A big they thing. missed out. They missed out on the big short stops, which I know my boy Olton's going to have uh, a strong opinion on. But um, I actually think, for the most part, that's okay. The one that really sticks out to me is Correa because I think it's nice that they're investing in the prospects and everything. I still think you want the sure thing. But this guy signing a three-year deal for not even a crazy AAV. I know it's the highest for an infielder ever, I believe. You know, I think that would have fit well for them, even though they, you know, they made this other move. But, yeah, they did not make that really big, splashy Yankees move. They did these other things to really pick up the pieces on these other areas of the team that were not so great last year. Um, and all in all, Olton, I was saying this uh, before you jumped on the, the FaceTime uh, earlier. I think this was like a, an off season that if Uncle Train was a Yankee fan, he would have absolutely loved it. And I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It might be a terrible thing. That's not a good thing <laughs> but, for you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like Uncle Dream, what do you think of the offseason that the Yankees had? It's interesting. It's I think the, it's the same tune every year that I've been singing that you guys need to make a splash for a starter, a reliable starter, because you're talking a lot about more you know defensive-minded uh, catchers, but is the the backstop necessarily going to fix the injury issues that you have with your rotations? Guys like Severino who can't pitch more than fucking two innings over the last three years, and you know Montgomery who has a history of injuries as well after getting Tommy John a couple years ago. Beyond Cole, you guys have way too many question marks from the the starter perspective. You know, your rotation is, I think, going to be the major question mark, the major issue. And you saw, even in previous years, Cole is not the stud in those one-and-done games that you might have thought he would have been. So even if you get that one opportunity, is Cole even going to be a reliable guy to carry you beyond that one-and-done game, if that's how you're trying to squeak your way into the playoffs. You know, and that's, I think, the issue that needs to be addressed. I think that narrative is a little unfair. Uh, I think he was definitely hurt last year, and I think the year before that he was great in the playoffs, and previously in his career he's been great. I think the other thing I would say about it is that I completely agree. I think they should have added a starter. I think they fucked the whole thing up by not doing it. Not fucked the whole thing up, but I think they should have added a starter um, I however, it'll happen, it'll happen it, at some point it, this year though. It'll, yeah, it'll happen. I think in the middle of the season. Um, but one thing about it is that the analytics like their rotation. If you look at fan graphs, projected war right now, because, because DeGrom is out, the Yankees actually are the top fan graphs war projected rotation in baseball. So it might not appear to be great like in the traditional sense but but i think it's just well i don't know because i think there's just depth throughout it you know with i think montgomery's underappreciated is that that taking like severino's injury history into account yeah i well it's it's taking into account him not it's not saying he's going to throw 180 innings like it's it's projecting him out you know for like low 100s okay I think the rotation has some question marks they definitely needed another pitcher but i could see why they like their staff Last year, second best ERA in base uh, in the American League behind the Rays, and now they've upgraded the defense at the catcher position. You know that should help. The other thing is, and I think there's just a lot of ifs with this team. Uh, you want to see the guys like Lemayhu, Torres, and Hicks bounce back yep. because that I think Glaber Torres. I, I'm not too worried about Lemayhu. I think Lemayhu's. I think he was hurt. I think he comes back strong. Torres is the guy that I think really needs to be good for them if they're going to get where they want to go. This is the the guy who was the undisputed top prospect a couple of years ago. He broke the bigs. And he was great. And then when when he got traded to the end, everyone was losing their mind over it. And he was great for two years. I I mean, all-star. They tried to put him at shortstop, and it did not work. Uh, Olten. Kind of curious your thoughts. I think you got a stronger take in the opposite direction. Not that I'm giving their their offense uh, their their offseason rave review, but I think I I like it a little bit more than some of our our uh, our other fan base uh, does. Hoboken wants to see the big splashes. Hoboken, I love a big splash as much as the next guy. So you know, I don't think I should be discredited for enjoying those. Um, I will give the Yankees credit where it is due. They definitely did a very good job of improving their defense up the middle. 
with mm. all those catching additions that uh, Miguel was talking about before. Get in the falafel man to play shortstop. And I think having Glaber move back to second base is going to have a large impact on their defense just because he was such a negative at shortstop. Like, getting him away from there is automatically going to be a huge plus. So Definitely. having uh, Glaber up there uh, at second base and, like, getting that up-the-middle defense short up, huge improvement, very impressive. Good job on them. Um, on the I, flip side... On the flip side, like letting Carlos Correa sign with the Minnesota Twins for three years with opt-outs after the first season is it's a travesty. And I know we we can't like sit here and be like, oh well, the Yankees, you know, they gave them the fifty million to pay Correa by taking Donaldson. But I mean, they kind of did, and there's just no reason that the Yankees should get yeah, like. like outplayed by the Minnesota Twins for Hello. a guy like Carlos Correa, who completely, like, if there were any holes in the Yankees, like, offensive lineup, like, he would have completely covered them up anywhere else. Like, it wouldn't mm. have even mattered that you have a defensive specialist catcher who can't put the ball in play. It wouldn't have mattered. He, he also adds that, like, fiery, dickish element that I was talking about with Donaldson. Yeah, so and you wouldn't even you be overdoing it because Donaldson right. wouldn't have been on the team. Like mm-hmm. it would have been, you would have had the, that one guy, and it would have been perfect. Um, the the only the only counter I'd have to the whole thing, and I completely agree. I think that's the one where it's the real big like, where were you on this one? Like, why didn't we do that? It seems like the perfect move. The only thing I would say is like, we don't know if that deal was available to them, and and that's like the whole thing with all of this stuff is like we don't know what is or isn't available to a certain team. Uh, All reports said that that came together really quickly. And I think like for the caliber of player that Correa is, um, that contract, I'm like beyond, like I know the Yankees had the most glaring need, but every contender, whether you had a shortstop or not, because he's the best defensive shortstop in baseball. Why wouldn't you take a shot on that guy? It, it, it does something about that is is odd to me. Um, Yankees being the most glaring, but I do wonder about it for like pretty much every contender. We, I mean, we can spin it to that, and I shouldn't say spin, but we can we can think about it that way. But we only have the information that we have, so I think it is very fair to say this is insane that the Yankees didn't do more to cover that up especially like if that deal was available to them that's like the perfect scenario where you have your it's your stopgap shortstop who happens to also be one of the best shortstops in baseball the best defensive shortstop in baseball and then you still have your prize possession who could come up through the minors there's less pressure on him when he gets there because you have Correa there and you can let Volpe like kind of take his time to form into the player that you think he is in the major leagues. So to me, that was a huge problem. Um, I'm looking at the Yankees rotation right now. And like, like you were saying, the depth is there. There are a ton of guys who are like, just like solid arms. And I don't think Cole will be a problem in a one game playoff. Um, but it's when you then have to turn around and play a five-game series and Cole just pitched seven innings in the wildcard game and then he can't go until game three when your backs could already potentially be against the wall. Like, that's a huge problem for the Yankees in the postseason. 
Um, I just, like, this team can easily win 90 to 95 games, but then also still be a wild card team and then also still be one and done. That's just, like, the, oh, yeah. the situation yeah, they they're in. They didn't cover the entire gap that they probably needed to cover with with the noted miss being Correa and also acquiring a starting pitcher. I do think that they'll gear up to get that starting pitcher in the middle of the year. Um, but again, it's a, it's another if because, and again, I caveat, this is a humongous if. He has not stayed healthy in forever. But if Severino can get back to what he was pre-injury, that guy as a number two is like, it's a lethal number two. But it's a humongous if, and you can't be relying on it, which is why I would have prioritized getting another pitcher um, you know, one of the A's guys, like I would have, I would have made a, a, a nice offer Show for Frankie name. Montas, who mm. I know who hasn't, I know he hasn't been traded, but Frankie Montas, he fits the bill. He's young, two years of control, fits right behind Cole. And then you push Severino back to the three. I mean, if that all panned out, now you're really looking at a team that could, could really make a run. So we'll see what they do in the middle of the season, but, but I agree with you. It's, it's funny. Like, it's, it's, it's funny that, that, Every year that I say Syndergaard is going to be the Cy Young, I get, you know, the kitchen sink thrown. I'm not saying the guy's going to be a Cy Young, though. <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying if he if he stays healthy, which is a giant if, I'm not declaring this guy the Cy Young of, of the American League. It's outrageous, folks. Jeez. Well, all right. For all One. those points that you just laid out, it just, like, it feels like malpractice to me to have a lineup and a team this deep and, like, not complete the puzzle when you mm-hmm. have, like, such a good opportunity to win a world championship. And I don't, like, like I said, the Yankees can make the playoffs. They maybe could make a run, but you had a chance to, like, put yourself, like, at game seven in the ALCS where, like, anything could happen. And I don't think that they did it. So I agree. I agree. Um, and one last thing before we move on to the, the next segment, uh, the off season gets a lot better or a lot worse if they do or don't extend Aaron judge. Uh, they have about 48 hours to get that done before that deadline passes and he will likely become a free agent Oops. next year. That needs to get done. Um, especially everything that we talked about, not giving out, you know, one of the big contracts not signing Correa, well, you you better have saved that money uh, to sign Aaron Judge long-term. He deserves it. I get the injury risk. I get we don't know about paying a guy of that size into his late 30s. I do not care. That guy is the face of the franchise. But Make him what, the captain. But pay what him, would call they it a day. do with the judges' chambers out in right field? They'd oh, take they a could, big duke they could make it I, the falafel stand. <laughs> Right field judges' chambers are going to be upgraded to a falafel stand. Everyone gets hot sauce, extra white sauce. And they're not giving it out for free, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, sweet Jesus. Oh, folks, you got to love it. You got to love it. You absolutely got to suck it. That's a guarantee. And it's been a while since we've established that. I just want to reiterate the fact that you absolutely have to suck it, folks. Big Dog, Matthew, anything else before we move to a word from our sponsors? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, let's, uh, let's play some ball. And now a word from our sponsors. Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs. Beat them up, beat them up, beat them up. Beat them up. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that was 
Matthew from Hoboken, though, joking, giving us the Reese's Puffs jingle, which I had no idea what the fuck that was, but it's a great jingle. He does it unlike any other. Ladies and gents, give it up for Matthew from Hoboken. No joking. Absolutely no joking. Reese's Puffs. I don't think I've ever had Reese's Puffs in my household. My mother refused to get it, which, hey, totally fine. It's, you know, sugary cereal. I get it. I was raised on the organic, non-GMO shit, which I now eat, and I'm healthier because of it. You grew up eating Kashi? uh, I no, didn't have Kashi. We kept it very. He's crazy. an Annie's Kashi boy. The the craziest thing we had was uh was kicks. Kicks were out of oh, just for kicks. Uh, I don't even know what that is. K I K I X kicks. They're great. They're little tiny little balls. Uh, a little bit of kicks are good. Sugar, but like kicks are good. Sugar on them. They're pretty, no, pretty the, damn healthy. The or- orange box. Came in an orange box. Yep, yep. And uh, you know that's the story of kicks. But Reese's Puffs are kind of like a more sugary. More delicious kicks because they're both the little tiny balls, Reese's puffs, the little puffs, and uh, yeah, it tastes great. What's not to love? It's Reese's puffs. It's uh, it's dessert for breakfast. Come on, breakfast in the morning. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> breakfast in the morning. Breakfast in the evening. Breakfast in the morning. When pizza's on a bagel. Have we ever done bagel bites? That's what we should. Yeah, do. we've done. Ba- we did uh, bagel okay. bites. We've done them all. Brilliant of ideas. If you got any ideas for advertisements, send them along. We got a Twitter account. Don't remember the handle, but you can look. You can look us up. You'll find it. That's it. Matt, great job. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the fan favorite segment, Realistic or Real Big Duty Stick, where we throw out a prediction for the year and we will discuss amongst ourselves whether it is a realistic prediction or a real fucking big duty stick. Now, I will start it off by saying, might be aggressive, but I believe it is realistic. The Blue Jays are going to win the World Series this year. And I'll tell you why. The rationale behind this is that they have an excellent rotation now. The addition of Kevin Gossman from San Francisco was huge. They now have Gossman and Jose Barrios, who they got from the Twins, as their one-two punch. Both of these guys are top 10 in Cy Young uh, last year. Right after that, they have Hyunjin Ryu, who just uh, two years ago and the year prior finished in the top 10 in Cy Young. He dropped off a little bit last year, but still respectable. Behind him, they have sophomore stud Alec Manoa, who killed it in his first taste of the bigs last year. And then they have, you say, Kikuchi right after that. So overall, they got a really, really, really decent-looking rotation. Beyond the rotation, they added Matt Chapman from the A's to uh, cover the hot corner. He'll give some gold glove defense there. And now you have a lineup that includes Chapman, Vladdy GJ the Kid, Kevin the Kid Biggio, the kin of Craig Biggio, Hall of Famer. You got Bo Boski, Watton Totten, Bo Bichette, <laughs> who is an absolute stud, son of Dante Bichette, the man with the tremendous eyebrows. You also got Lulis, the girly boy Guriel. Georgie Porgy putting in pie, George Springer. You got Tioscar the Grouch Hernandez. And you follow that up with at the DH. Alejandro, Alejandro, Alejandro Kirk, 
who is finally healthy and is ready to mash some tater tots for the boys up in America's hat in Toronto. I'm saying the Jays are winning it all. You take a look at this whole roster, and top to bottom, it's pretty fucking solid. These guys usually are in the shadows of the Rays and the Yanks when you're talking top of the crop of the AL East. They are going to take the crown by the end of the year. Boys, what do you think about that? Well, I know that they are the darling of the offseason. I know everybody likes them. I know everybody loves them. I know that they played really well in the second half last year. But yep. I am saying this is a real big duty stick. No I bias here. So. No bias. Folks. And it's, it's, uh, I'm going to give some a quick few reasons why. One, I think they play in the best division in baseball, so there's no stem dunk that they are getting to the playoffs. Uh, I think they do get to the playoffs, but there's no slam dunk that they it get past slam dunk, that, but it's that first round. Uh, and also there, it's going to be an AL East that's going to be beaten up on each other all year. I also think that they, you know, as good as the team is, they did lose some key pieces. They lost a Cy Young winner in Robbie Ray. They lost top three MVP finisher in Marcus Simeon. I get that they get to play all the games in Toronto man. this year, which, which helped. Um, but I do think that there is some, uh, you know, there, there could be some some regression there. And mainly, uh, as good as I think they are, I think the Dodgers are, are better. And I think the Dodgers have an easier road to get to the World Series. Uh, so I'm saying real big duty stick. So you're calling it a duty stick because you're saying the Dodgers are better. All right, that's, that's, that's a duty stick take, in my opinion. But, hey, we'll let bygones be bygones. We'll let I'm bygones taking the field. Bygones. I'm okay, taking the, the field. Take I think the darling of the offseason often does not uh, does not win at all, and I don't think that they do. So give me a real big duty stick. Okay, I'll hand it to you on a silver platter. Hoboken, uh, what do you think? I almost changed my answer when you had a nickname for every single person in the lineup. Oh, Bobo Ski, Watton, Tot, and Boba Shet. It made me want to call it a duty stick, but I'm still going to stick. Boom, boom, boom. I'm sticking with realistic. Love to see that. If if for nothing but the fact that it's a bunch of very young boys on this team. You got to love the young boys, baby. Come on. It really is the youngest boys on this team. It's some of the youngest boys, and the Jays are due. I mean, this team has been a bottom dweller of the East for quite some time, minus like those two seasons where they had a... Uh, yeah, with Joey Bats. Joe, Joey Bats and Donaldson. Joey Bats. And uh, Stroman as their ace. Um, they were good that this, year. This team is is Bad. due for a deep playoff run. I love Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think he's going to wind up being one of the best hitters uh, that we ha- will ever see in our lifetime. He lost like um, 30 pounds this offseason. He's now looking like a million bucks. Looks great. Best shape of his life. Uh, you know, that always pans out for people. But oh. uh, I think the Jays are awesome. I think their lineup is insanely deep. Um, I think they have George Springer, who is one of the most clutch postseason performers of oh, our oh, generation. Oh, Georgie Porgy pudding in pie? Yeah, that guy. Uh, Kiss the girls, they get Duke in the TV. And their uh, their pitching rotation is also incredibly deep. I think it's going to be tough to get an advantage over them pitching wise in a in a playoff series. I can't wait to uh, see Alec Manoa in the full games. year. Me too. Manoa's Mainly because be he's stunned. on the very he's on the very young boys in the shank ball in the fantasy so. ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantasy shank ball. Nothing uh, like uh, it. Folks. Uh, the very 
the very young boys. I, no doubt the Blue Jays are really good. They could win it all. I just don't think. They no, 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 do. Mike, Mike, you think it's a you think it's a big duty stick. Hey, I understand it. That's, I, fine. that's why I call it duty stick. Well, that's well, you know, why I call like, it. Is the question Blue Jays or the field, or is the question is it realistic? No, it's realistic or real big duty stick. It's no, it's, in it's, the name. Matt, and it's, it's a realistic. It's quite literally realistic or real big duty stick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sticking with okay. realistic. Yeah, yeah, that's a very, very smart man, big dog. You hate to see it, but you know, neither here nor there. Uh, All right, well, duty. my yeah, my uh, realistic or real big duty stick is Mariners are making the playoffs this year. I think it's been uh, they have the longest drought in professional sports. I think it's been since like 2000 or 2001 since they made the playoffs. Uh, but they did win 90 games last year. They're bringing up Julio Rodriguez. He's a very young boy. I know you like that one, uh, Matt from Hoboken. <laughs> and uh, they got Jesse Winker. They got Robbie Ray. I think this team, uh, 90 wins last year. I think there was a little luck there. But I don't see with the expanded playoffs who is getting that spot over them. Um, so I'm going to say the Seattle Mariners break the drought and make the playoffs this year. It's realistic. Train? Now, I am going to say that is a real big duty stick. And, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. The Angels are going to surprise this year. I think the Angels have a shot. We're going to see how Noah the Kid, Noah Syndergaard does in the Angels rotation. Oh, Cy Young Award winner, Noah Syndergaard. And they're also still going to have to get past the Astros. And I know the Astros are a couple key players here. Now, the only thing that's holding me back from going hard, big duty stick is that the whole AL West is is kind of dookie right now. I mean, I know the Rangers made some big splashes. Uh, are you talking yourself into realistic but mid, mid duty stick? I am. I am no, no, no. The duty stick. Have no fear. The duty stick still stands, but I, but I just, I feel like it's just not all quite there. A couple things are really going to have to click for that to happen. Jared Klinik, ex-Met prospect, great, is going to have to sh- actually flash the signs of being a true MLB great, which he has not done yet. He's uh, also a very young boy. He's he is very a young, young boy. Too. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just don't see it. I mean, I I know that you know they got Robbie Ray, the kid, stud, but beyond that, you're going to need to have another great surprise year from Chris Flexen, which I just do not foresee happening. Marco oh, Gonzalez, Marco Gonzalez also showed signs of being pretty good last year and then would just drop a couple big old-fashioned dookie cakes in the oven at 400 degrees. I don't think he's going to be a reliable uh, starter either. Even though he is on my fantasy squad, no deal Howie. I just don't think the pitching behind Ray is there, and I think there's a bit too many question marks on the lineup for the Mariners. The only thing, only thing, that might give your absolute duty stick of a take a glimmer of hope would be the dog shit division of the AL West. But beyond that, I'm going to call big old-fashioned duty stick for the boy. Alton, break the uh, break the tie here. What do you think? Realistic or real big duty stick? And you have to be wondering, after Train's duty stick take, will Alton make the right choice here? <laughs> um, this is another one where I'm like, I'm going back and forth. Train almost convinces me to go another way. I think that 
Well, almost folks. I think the AL West being so bad is going to be a huge factor, like a bigger factor than Train was making it and mm. making it a lot easier for them to sneak into a wild card. My negatives to this team is one, Jerry DePoto makes way too many trades and he's probably going to find a way to make a bad trade because he's going to make a ton. Uh, the other negative, this infield stinks. I can't get over <laughs> how bad this infield is. Um, but the outfield, full of young boys, full of talent. You got the Winkmeister, kills righty pitching. The AL West is loaded with righty pitching. He's primed for a great winky, season. Winky doo-doo. The Winky yeah, Doodoo. The Winky Doodoo, doo-doo primed for a great season. Mitch Haniger is a, a staple in the lineup, very consistent yep. force. You got the upside of Julio Rodriguez, a very young mm-hmm. boy himself. The upside yep. of Jared Kalenic, another very young boy himself. Folks, we're going realistic. They're sneaking into a wild card. Wow, folks, you absolutely hate to see it. Always a fairly rational take from the joke, the non-jokester from Hoboken, so I do respect it. I've but never made a joke. We will see, folks. We will see. Now, what is the prediction from Matthew from Hoboken? Absolutely no joking. All right. For me, folks, it's going to be... Tell us. MLB, the Shohei Otani 22, back-to-back MVP Folks, historic season last year. We haven't seen anything like that since Hall of Famer Babe Ruth, a.k.a. George Herman Ruth, the hot dog eater himself. Haven't seen anything like it in forever. The Great Uh, Bambino. The the Colossus of Clout. The Colossus of (laughs) Clout. The Sultan of Swat. So not only have we not seen anything like that in a billion years, (laughs) uh... (laughs) There are some rule changes that are going into effect that are going to help Shohei. This man had 46 homers last season. Now, the rule book is saying that on days he is pitching, he can also be listed as a DH and not have to come out of the game once he stops pitching. So now he's going to have, folks, maybe two extra ABs a game when he's pitching. That could lead to a lot more homers. Another historic season for Shohei Otani. And, folks... You might not be able to deny him that back-to-back MVP. I feel like it would be a disservice to Showtime to say that this was a real big duty stick. So for that reason, and for all the reasons that you provided, like I said, the non-jokester from Hoboken only dishes out rational takes. I am going to say that I agree. This is a realistic prediction. It could very well happen. Specifically... The rule that you mentioned, that he is going to be able to just mash some taters whenever the fuck he wants. In that DH position, Shohei is going to go absolutely ham. There's going to be nothing holding him back. The only thing I would say would be an injury, but you really can't predict for that in this situation. So I'm going to say it's realistic. Great pick, Matt. Great pick. Thanks, Trent. Well, Uh you know... Here's the thing about this one. There's always a thing. Shohei Otani, if he repeats what he did last year, is that going to be enough for the voters, even though it should be? Sometimes in these situations... Has the magic think, worn off? It's, it's it, you know, sometimes in these situations, I do think you kind of need to top yourself. 
uh, in order to get it again. I think it's hard to win back-to-back MVPs. I think pitching and hitting, uh, even though we don't want to predict an injury, and I don't want, uh, and I don't want to predict an injury. I do think he's got more injury risk than a lot of other players because of it. Um, and for that reason, I am calling a real big duty stick. I yeah, do not think he's win, winning back-to-back MVPs. I think there is so much talent in the American League. Um, I think those four AL East teams have a lot of candidates. I think Vladdy Jr. is hungry to win it this year when he feels like he should have won it last year. I think Bo Bichette's making a threat. I think if Aaron Judge can stay healthy, he's Bobo's making a won, threat. Uh, I'm saying real big duty stick. Otani will not be the MVP this year. I mean, I'll be honest. Vladdy is the MVP in my four-leg $12,000 winning parlay. So, but not, I mean, not, I not in the realistic or real big duty stick for Dex. Right. Yeah, you <laughs> duty sticked yourself. You know, Miguel, you could be talking as a scorned <laughs> you lover. Duty, as... You duty stuck yourself. <laughs> you duty Miguel stuck could, yourself. Miguel could be talking as a uh, scorned lover from when Sho- Shohei wouldn't even meet with the Yankees when he was signing with the team a couple of years ago. Uh, he could just not want to see him succeed. Miguel doesn't want to see wondering. the man succeed. You got I like Shohei. <laughs> I love Shohei, but you know what? I don't think I think he's a duty stick this year. I think he's going to have a great year, but I do not think he is winning the MVP. That's fair. That's, That's why I'm calling it a duty stick. That's I guess I shouldn't say he's the duty stick. The, I think take, him winning the, the MVP is a duty stick. Is a him duty winning stick. the MVP is the duty stick. The, yeah, the pick is the stick. I just want to say Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs and. I don't see why Shohei couldn't if Aaron Tom, Br- Tom Brady should have won Tom That's Brady should have won Tom Brady on. only one of those two are getting advice from Bobo's Dr. Joe Rogan so. <laughs> boom 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 alright moving on to quick predict picks we're going to take a look at the ALNL MVP Cy Young and Rookie of the Year are we doing that? and a bust and a bust and the big old fashioned dookie cake sitting in the oven at 400 degrees Let's start with MVP, shall we? For the AL MVP, I am going to pick a little man by the name of Bobo Skiwatentotten. Ah, 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 boom, 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 Bushette. That's right. It is the son of former Major Leaguer great right. Dante Bushette. Don't, don't Bobo, literally Bobo, just... Bobo Skiwatentotten. <laughs> He's an animal. The dude hit almost 30 tater tots last year, 100 plus ribeyes, he he 300 get batting average. He's, 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 he's in, he had another star studded lineup, so I think the ribeyes is only going to increase. We're going to see this dude hit 120 ribeyes, 35 tater tots, over 300 batting average, and stellar defense to go along with it. So I think the war is going to be through the roof. And I believe he is going to take the cake as the AL MVP. You gonna ask us our opinions now? Should we? No, just I don't give a shit. Talk? I don't give a fucking crap and shit what you guys think. Tell me what your picks are. Hoboken. Uh, for AL MVP, you're gonna go with a teammate of Boboski Watton Totten. Eh, 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 eh. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm gonna pick Vlad Guerrero. Junior, the mash god. He's got a wagon. He's going to hit absolute dongs. Folks, AL MVP. I'm going homer pick. 
It's time for Aaron Judge to win MVP. Aaron Judge oh is winning the MVP. MVP 2022. Lock it in, baby. Load it up. All rise. All right. Uh, next up, we got the NL MVP. Uh, I'll kick this one off. It's overdue. I'm taking Juan Soto. I'll be joining you in that sentiment. Soto for me, too. I like it. He's too fucking good. It's it's ridiculous. Actually, no. Fuck that. Lindy Hop, Francisco Lindor. He's going to go off this year. 35 taters, 120 ribeyes. <laughs> you gave me shit hour. about the judge pick, and then you hop in with uh, Frankie uh, Lindor. Uh, Come, on. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. We're bringing it back to Queens. <laughs> All right. Now Cy we got Young. the Cy Young. Or let's start with the let's start with the NL Cy Young. Uh, Hoboken, lead us off. Um, well, my massive parlay had Jacob DeGrom in it, and I guess that means I got to change my pick now because he's going to be out a million, uh, yeah, a million years. So I'm going to have to go with a man. You know him. You love him. He's the Sandman. He pitches down in Miami. Mr. Alcantara. No way. That's exactly who I was going to pick. I cucked you. Let's Sorry, go, baby. Come on. <laughs> All right. Joking and Uncle both picking the Sandman. Mr. Sandman, tell me a dream. <laughs> oh, Mr. Sandman. Big dog, who you got? I'm taking Corbin Burns' uh, teammate. The back-to-back Cy Youngs will be going to the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm taking Brandon Woodruff to win the NL Cy Young. Oh, the Woodman. Woody boy. Oh, that's interesting, folks. We got the Sandman who might sand down the Woodman. You gotta be wondering, who's it gonna be? Is it gonna be the sander, the belt sander, the fucking animal, or the wood who gets belt sanded, or past tense, belt sunned? <laughs> it was too deep in this recording. I'm losing my mind here. Come on. Next. <laughs> All right. Next. AL. Mr. Sandman. AL Cy Young. Uncle Train, who is gonna win the AL Cy Young? Oh, Mr. Sandman. <laughs> Who's going to win the AL Cy Young? That's a great question. Um, I am going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say it's going to be Jose Berrios taking the AL Cy Young. Oh, yeah. Boys, who you got? I'm not going into any more details. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a little old pitcher. Who gives me the fever? Uh oh. His name is Shane Bieber. Ooh. We're going with his return to prominence from his dominant 2020 season. Not as dominant because it's a full season and there won't be as much energy for a full course of a season, but he will still be very good and he will win <laughs> the Cy Young. Okay, it's a nice pick. Wonder, folks, but you know. And I was considering going with a real long shot here, kind of like how Robbie Ray came from the clouds to win it last year, but uh-huh. I will stick towards the top of the board and take Lucas Giolito, but Gee. a uh, honorable honorable mention to Eduardo Rodriguez, who was my other potential pick here. I like Erod in the new uh, the new ballpark there, uh, going to, over to Detroit. Um, all right, let's do some Rookie of the Year. Yeah. AL Rookie AL rookie of the Year. 
the young boys master himself. Who are you taking for the AL Rookie of the Year? We are going with the kid himself, Bobby Witt Jr. Just slashed over 400 in spring training. The man is a king, swipes bags. He is going to win the Cy Young Award. Not the Cy Young Award. I don't think he's going to win the Cy Young Award. Sorry, I meant he's going to win the Very Young Boy Award. Holton, I do not think he's going to win the Cy Young, okay? I need you to calm down. I don't think he can win the Cy Young. Sorry, I got so jacked up talking about the Very Young Boys. (laughs) Um, Who's uh, who's winning AL Rookie of the Year? I'm going to go with a man on one of the shittiest teams in the history of baseball. That's right. We're talking Adley Rutschman, the catcher for the O's, who has been knock, knock, knocking on the door of the majors. He's ready to rock. The dude is ready to mash a couple tater tots over into that warehouse in right field. Let's see it, folks. And I am taking uh, Jeremy. If you like pina coladas, he's going to be hitting at the top of the Astros lineup. Give me, Jeremy Pena. Pena. Give me Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena. Give me Jeremy Pena. An NL Rookie of the Year. I'll lead it off. I'm taking the new kid on the block, Seiya Suzuki. Think he wins Seiya what? Seiya Suzuki. Ladies and gents, you got to love that pick. Outfielder for the Cubbies. I'll see a couple games this year in Chi-Town, and I will let you know how Seiya does. Okay. Well, I mean, I was really tempted to take uh, Nolan Gorman of renowned fame on No Deal Howie, but I think I'm going to have to pass on Nolan Gorman, and I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Kirk's favorite player, O'Neal O'Neal Cruz. Cruz. The man is absolutely gigantic. He motors on the base paths, hits towering moonshots. Folks, O'Neal Cruz. Hoboken going straight chalk on his rookie of the year picks. The man loves his prospects. And Uncle Tran, who is winning NL rookie of the year? Well, ladies and gentlemen, you have very interesting picks. But I'm going to say he's going to make his way to the bigs. He's breaking it. He's scratching at the surface. It's our boy Nolan Gorman (laughs) from the St. Louis Cardinals. The dude... Wants to make the big league roster. He's going to do whatever it takes, whether it's just you know somewhere in the infield or just the DH. But the man is ready to mash a couple tater tots. I get it. He's a young buck. He's only 21. But this dude has been a top prospect in the Cardinals farm system for quite some time now. And I think it's just a matter of time until they get him into the lineup and he starts mashing a couple taters for the boys, leading him to... A rookie of the Year award. I might even couple, kind of put a couple buckaroonies down on that. Just to prove you guys wrong, huh? $2.50 payout's going to be like ten grand. <laughs> <laughs> Nolan Gorman, folks. And last favorite preseason prediction where Uncle Train notably predicted Cody Bellinger to be a dookie cake. He then won the MVP. I was so ahead of my time. If you're looking for some betting information, maybe take whoever Train says. I was way ahead of my time. Put a few bucks. Put a few bucks on them to win the MVP. Uh, so, Uncle Train, who is your Dookie Cake, a.k.a. Bust of the Year? Well, Big Dog, I'm, I'm glad that you asked me that. Um, what I'm going to say is a man who just made his way from the West to the East. That's right. You're going to see him in Fenway. He is the storybook king. Trevor Story is going to be a gigantic Dookie Cake Baked in the oven, 400 degrees as we all know, 
I think once this dude leaves Coors Field, the best hitter's park that we know, that mile-high air, his ball is going to be dead like a duck, and he's going to shank the big old-fashioned farts. Lock it in, Howie. That's a deal. Hoboken. Uh, I'll go last. You could go ahead, Miguel. Duty. All right. I will. Uh, so so my guy, uh, he's starting out the year a little injured. Um, but I think this is a guy that a lot of fan bases want to see their team trade for. But I think this year a lot of that's going away because I think Luis Castillo is going to be the dookie cake of the year. I think the trade value is going down the toilet. Wow. Uh, and I think Luis Castillo has a down year. Hoboken? All right, this is going to be like uh, my personal festivus, my airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with these people, and I'm going to be rattling off a couple of names here because that's how strongly I feel. Uh, we're going to start at catcher. Uh, Omar Narvaez, stinks. First base, Yuli Gurriel, trash. Second base, uh, Gene Segura, Philly trash. Uh, third base, Anthony Rendon. Oh, you mean CJ's MVP pick from last year when then he proceeded to play 30 games. and stink. Uh, shortstop, the Zan man, Xander Bogarts. See you later. Trash. Then, uh, I'll just name three outfielders real quick off the top of my head and not reading off anything here. Uh, I'll probably say Kyle Tucker, uh, Lou Bob, and Eloy Jimenez. All bus. Oh, Eloy the boy? So, yeah. Those were my grievances. Um, do with that what you will. A couple of big busts coming from the mouth of the man who does not joke. He really does not. So do not take this as a joke. He thinks all of those are going to be big old-fashioned busts. Dookies in the toilet. Flush them. Get them out of here. They're stanking up the bathroom because they're a little bit too high above the water line. And you really hate to see it, folks. With that, I believe we are done. We're already at 81 minutes. I'm going to have to... <laughs> Cut so much out of this. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, but like, who the fuck's actually listening to this all the way? I could put the whole fucking audio unedited up there, and no one would even notice. Alrighty, ladies and gents, boys and girls, if you've stuck with us for this long, you're doing something wrong. But we love you. God bless. Fuck Trump. Come on, baby.